This is Fusion Music Radio's Birds of a Feather. We are an indie music-focused show rife with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting and unhinged banter. Our fascinating fun features and thematic song submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you. And our hostess is... I'm Christina Baldwin, vocalist for the band Ascent. I'm dazed and confused, but it's nobody's fault but mine. My dancing days down by the seaside, in the light, and in the evening are something else. I consider myself a sunshine woman, not a sugar mama. I know your time is going to come with a whole lot of love. In fact, all of my love. Hey, hey, what can I do? I'm a heartbreaker. And I'm Professor P. Soup, and all I can say for myself is I'm the cat that won't cop out when there's danger all about. And that's it. And we're launching into... Episode 14. 14. Birds of a Feather. You know, uh, we were talking last time about how you do radio and you always have regrets. You always think you wanted to do this, you wanted to say that. If only we had a retraction or an addition. Like, okay, here's something we forgot last time. It's just the most idiotic thing that no even remotely professionally minded person would ever do. You still want to do it. Like, for example, I would actually be saying right now, we were talking about the most detestable songs. I completely forgot. And how in the world could this most worthy entry be forgotten to mention Jane's Addiction's Been Caught Stealing? That's the kind of thing you'd want to do. But what we will really do, we'll be talking... <laughs> that's, what, that's what amateurs would do. What we will actually commence to do is talk about the spinoff of Birds of a Feather. Mm. Birds of a Feather winging it, which will now be airing on the weeks alternately from Birds of a Feather. So if you really want to, you can hear us every week. So what is it about this show? What is it? It's a show. Um, but is it indie music driven? Uh, no, no, it isn't, in fact. We're just going to be talking about a variety of things, mostly concerning the mainstream music world, something everybody can relate to, and I'm sure we'll all learn something in the process. There will be an element of surprise. Uh, one of us will probably be totally in the dark about the direction of the show, so there will be that aspect to it. In fact, our first show, that's what happened. I actually completely surprised you. You didn't know this subject. You I, I, was no totally bu- I was totally bushwhacked, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> By design. By design. Why? So why are we doing this show? I'm going to go with the greater good on this one. What do you think? (laughs) I think it's enough just to invoke the greater good and run away and hope who's going to dare question that. What do you think? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, because um, the head honchos at FMR wanted it. And, uh, you know, we were thinking one of the things that we always feel like we haven't done is finish talking about music we have passion for music so we have so much more to say and while you think every other week is more than enough time to accomplish that goal it isn't so stuff that we don't talk about on birds of a feather we may talk about there some stuff that we don't have time to complete our discussions about might end up in winging it you know why because we're fucking winging it We don't know what's going to happen. We're just kind of going with it. There will be a subject matter, whether we deviate from it or not, (laughs) remains to be seen. And it probably will be deviated from. But uh, we did listen to a little bit of the show and we're thinking, you know, we don't know who the fuck's interested in it, but we're hoping you are. And we we are entertaining ourselves, if nothing else. (laughs) 
That seems a good enough reason right there. And it will give us time to expound on things. Um, I saw a segment from, a, a, I believe it was Decibel Magazine the other day, and I thought, damn. Uh, it was called Justify Your Shitty Taste in Music. I, Shit. <laughs> I'm thinking, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> no, that should be ours. You know? But we, that's basically what we do. We uh, talk about shitty music and good music and uh, have the differing views on that. Music will be around the periphery someplace. <laughs> I think that's going to be the unifying uh, aspect of the show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, interesting. It's going to be us kind of on a different plane, still talking about something that we love. A little less formal. <laughs> <laughs> less formal than birds of a feather? Come Even on. less formal. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's quite something to behold. So hopefully you will give it a chance. If you want more of us and a little more birds in a little different fashion, please listen to Winging It every off Birds Week. So Bird Banter Extended, I know that David already took care of talking about winging it, and I chimed in as I usually do, but we have more. We're to, gonna dis- to dissipate the absolute <laughs> bewilderment that the audience is listening to me, but yes, go ahead. That she is, doesn't want to say it. That but is yet. not why. That's exactly why, okay. <laughs> it's because we are co-hosts on this show, that's probably why. So uh, I know <laughs> you're like, whatever. Um, so we want to talk about submissions for a minute. There seems to be maybe a little confusion about submissions and maybe we weren't clear and I don't know. So I want to let you know. If you're new to Birds of a Feather, we'd like to let you in on how we do things here. Now, it's not complicated, but it is specific. So the first thing we want you to do is to go onto Facebook and Instagram and like Birds of a Feather. You can find us at BOAF on air. And what you can do there is see our themed calls for submissions that happen every other week. And if you have songs that fit the theme, please send them to us at bofonair at gmail.com for consideration. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. So... What we do is we do a call for submissions. You send in your songs, and we build a top 10 from your submissions. So you may or may not get on the countdown, depending. However, we allow you to submit as many songs that are on theme as you want. There's a chance we may play one, and we will keep the other ones on standby for future shows. So that's nice. We also beg you, please include your social media and website links, because one of the things that I've noticed, and uh, it's quite something, is that I'll get an MP3, and I'll play it, and I'll like it, and I have the name of a person, but I don't have the name of a band. So I have to go on Facebook and try to desperately to find that person's name and try to find the band. And I just want you to know I love y'all, but I ain't going to do that much work anymore. And also make sure you label your MP3s with the song title and the name of your band. That makes sure that I can give you credit and uh, also tell the world about you. So we listen to all submissions. I want you to know that every single song is heard. So you have to listen to see if you made the top 10. We don't announce it beforehand. We are devious and underhanded in that way. What we'll do is we're going to tag you in a post revealing the top 10 for the previous show shortly before the next show. If your submission does not make the top 10 for that week, please, as I mentioned, do not despair. We'll keep it and consider for future shows. This is very important, David. Very important. Please only send MP3s that match that week's theme. EPs, LPs, and entire catalogs need not be sent. We get dozens and dozens of submissions, and we simply don't have time to listen to entire catalogs, EPs, and LPs, though we might want to. So that is a little bit about our submission process. Is there anything you'd like to add, David? That was clear enough even for me to understand, I think. So (laughs) that means everybody in the audience uh, comprehends that. All right, good. 
All right, and the theme for this show was I'll See You Later. Uh, and, and any kind of goodbye song will suffice. It can be a kiss-off song, a bitter, uh, bile-spitting uh, <laughs> <laughs> diatribe, uh, or the uh, It's Been Great, uh, Thank You So Much, But I Have to Keep Moving On, uh, like classics like Free Bird and everything like that. It could be anything in between that. From Free Bird, It's Been Great, It's Not You, It's Me, I Just Gotta Keep Moving On, or Hit the Road Jack. And we found all of those and more in between. Uh, we have some of the sweetest goodbyes, only unlike John Cusack's character Rob in High Fidelity, <laughs> film we talked about on an earlier episode, he has a top five. We have a top ten yes. goodbye song. And goodbye in all kinds of ways, shapes, and attitudes that you're going to love. The perfect example of that is song number 10 from Joe Pops Bredo. No regular Butterflies and Hurricanes listeners will remember Joe, and I hear somebody out there saying, yeah, me guess, he was a guest on Butterflies and Hurricanes. You always say that. Well, yes, smartass, he was. Uh, what are you, Weisenheimer? And uh, that's, I'm trying to expose you to a great artist here. Yes, I can't help it if he was on Butterflies and Hurricanes, like perhaps another artist we have on the show tonight. Well, we can promise you is that the music is going to be worth your time. And Joe Popspredo is often classified as a blue-eyed soul, sort of Van Morrison, only more a little more amped up. Uh, funk, rock, it is an army of one. He plays all the instruments, he does all the vocals on the records, even the female ones. This particular song isn't going to get you jumping out of your seat. As often as Joe will make you dance and spaz out, public, private, anywhere, with the absolutely irresistible hardcore funk of his music. This one is more of a power ballad on the order of the classic Freebird that we mentioned before or Led Zeppelin's Ramble On. It's just me. I have to go. I'm, a, I'm just a rambling guy. That's what I do. I'm a rambling man. And uh, you've been great. And I uh, wish you all the best, but I'm out of here. We're going to tell you about the record that it comes from in a second. But for now, listen to Get Moving On. Like all new places and meeting new faces 
was a honey known as sweet as you. Get moving on from the EP You Ain't Seen Nothing. You can hear Joe's interview in the archives. You can find Joe on Facebook at Joe Pops Bredo. I'm thinking this one is yours, sugar. That is correct. It is time for feature number one, Raven or Nevermore. And for this feature, we weigh in on current events and trends in popular music. Now, is it something we are raving about or do we want to hear about it? Nevermore. Well, this week's topic is sampling and not the sampling you're thinking no not a drum fill here or a snare capture there we are talking about wholesale lifting of parts of songs and let's talk a little bit about that let me give you some examples so some examples that you may identify with are puff daddy's missing you right sample the police's every breath you take that was a popular one kanye west did gold digger sampled ray charles i've got a woman Beyonce's Crazy in Love sampled The Shy Lights, Are You My Woman? Tell Me So. Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg, Nothing But a G-Thang, sampled Leon Haywood's I Want to Do Something Freaky to You. Beastie Boys, Brass Monkey sampled Wild Sugar's Bring It Here. And there are many, many more. Those are just a few examples. So, before I get started on how I feel about sampling, I want to go ahead and start with you, David. Well, uh, first of all, I don't sample. I, I even mentioned that in a song, uh, a straight-up original song, Don't Need to Sample. My shoes are worn out from all the rappers I trampled. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I don't it. sample. And, and probably most of the listeners would be like, you should, dude. You should try. <laughs> you need something. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> you gosh. need something. Okay. Um, you know, some might say, well, first of all, uh, in sampling, much of the time it's rap and R&B, and they're sampling rock or 
old R&B, like real R&B, in other words, not the soul-screaming shit that we have today. Uh, most of it is. It's, it's exhibitions. <laughs> it is. It's, ah, and, and it simply is not uh-huh. the same. They usually, like you mentioned, the shy lights. That's a good mm-hmm. example right there. Uh, it props up, and that's what some would say. This Appropriating real art to prop up the flimsy cardboard edifice of their own quote-unquote music um, but I do actually think it's a distinct art all in it, of its own. It really is. Uh, I'm almost in favor of it. Well, some might say, aren't you catching flies with somebody else's honey? Uh, throwing in their brilliant chorus and your inane, monotonous rapping in between? No, I don't think so. It isn't always like that. Uh, there's, a, there's something to this. Uh, it's a special It's a skill all of its own. I think it takes imagination, a lot of it, and there are some uh, notable examples. As long as it's done with permission, unlike Mr. Robert Van Winkle, Vanilla Ice, <laughs> as much as he's an idol of mine, uh, <laughs> uh, he was using the Queen David Bowie riff from Under Pressure in uh, Ice Ice Baby. As a oh, rap. come on, it was so different with that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't even recognize it it took a it took an astrophysicist like brian may to notice absolutely he <laughs> said wait how, a minute that's how fine the similarities are that's how narrow they are so you know? narrow i mean you could never tell no you, know? you could never tell but he did something great with it like uh mc hammer i'm sorry uh borrowing the riff from rick james sugar freak you can't touch this is Oh, I said Sugar Freak because of my own <laughs> song, a bo- well, Derek's song that we recorded in Boyhead Soup, Sugar Freak, oh. sorry. He actually says Super Freak in the song and then corrects himself, and he left it in. It's so funny. But um, uh, Super Freak, sorry. I th- I like what he did with it better. Uh, I think uh, the track, You Can't Touch This, is brilliant, honestly. Uh, uh, other notable examples, Tone Loke. When I say Tone Loke, you think of like Wild Thing, mm-hmm. right? Wholesale borrows the drum and guitar passages of Van Halen's song "Jamie's Crying." Uh, I'm assuming with permission, but he does he he makes it work somehow. And Ice T has a long history of doing that, borrowing from Black Sabbath. Well, we know we had his own heavy metal band, Body Count. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, their first album was like a record banning party. Somebody was saying, I mean, with songs like "KKK Bitch," "Mama's Gotta Die Tonight," and of course. Cop killer. This is a guy who's been playing cops in movies and on television for like 20 years now. But we digress. But, but we digress. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he sampled Black Sabbath generously, at least a couple of a couple of different occasions, uh, War Pigs and the song Black Sabbath. And he sampled. The, how cool is this? I wish I thought of this. I'm envious. I'm sorry. He sampled John Carpenter's Halloween theme. Down, 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 into a rap song. Okay. I think it's a skill all of itself. I would sort of be raving for it, honestly. Uh, for example, oh, another good example. Will Smith. Big Willie style himself on Wild Wild West samples Wild Wild West by Cool Mo D and... I wish by Stevie Wonder, a once great artist. We'll explain. <laughs> That's an inside joke referencing sub-question. Sub-question. Referencing the movie again. High Fidelity. Uh, Jack Black's character, Barry, is so brilliant. In this. Yet another movie I turned you on to that was brilliant. I, and you can hear about that in our archives. I'm yes. sure you're, I'm sure you were listening already. And um, But really, a once great artist. Uh, back when they would no doubt consider him one. And um, uh, made a great song out of that. So I'm raving about sampling, actually. As long as it's done with permission, I think it can be wonderful. 
I am on the opposite end of the spectrum. I do think you are catching flies with other people's honey. And I think, you know, as an indie artist myself, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot more imagination to come up with something completely original. Come up with your own melody, your own hook, your own chorus, your own bridge, your own everything. You know, What are those things? <laughs> what? Those are what? Parts of a song, are they? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Parts of a song, I have yes. To learn Very those nice. One of these days. Whatever. <laughs> so I, I disagree. I While I like these songs, I think I largely like them because I hear familiar things when they start. I didn't love that song because it was new, fresh rap. I liked the song because it was under pressure. I liked Missing You because it was Every Breath You Take. I liked Gold Digger because it was Bray Charles. If those stood on their own without the need for sampling, I'd be down. But I don't know that they would. And that's what bothers me about it is, to me, it's a little bit of cheating. It's a little bit of not using enough imagination. You said it takes imagination. I I don't think so. I think if I went and sampled a song, got permission, paid a bazillion, dollars to do it and made it part of my song i'm sure i can make a bazillion dollars too but you know what it's kind of like the cover band thing they're not dead leave it the fuck alone i don't get it i want you to leave it alone now again i like these songs why do i like them though not because of their own merits i like it because of the merits of other artists and to me that's cheating and i don't think you should do it as an indie artist and i may sound like a snob but I'm not a snob I'm telling you my honest opinion I think it's cheating it's the easy way out it's a lazy way out and of course it's going to be a hit but you know what you want to get hits the cheap way go right ahead I'm actually going to do stuff called writing my own music and presenting it to the world and hoping to God that something that I do myself with my abilities and I'm not just riding the coattails of another great or formerly great artist all right, stop, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> I suspect with this brand new invention, something comes hold of me tightly. Yeah, but you know what? Again, what I heard was ding, 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 ding. It didn't start with he's going, all right, stop, collaborate. That's not what happened. It said ding, ding, ding. That's that's what I'm saying. But as soon as he starts with, all right, stop, you forget all that. I do not forget it. The hook the hook gets you there. That's true. No, yeah. the hook gets you there, and it keep, it does not like the hook stops, my friend. It's still there. The whole fucking song, carrying the song in a neat little package, I'm Sorry. No, it's cheating. I am never more on this. Don't you ever say an unkind word about Vanilla Ice again. <laughs> or the time. <laughs> I like the time. They actually do their own shit. Vanilla Ice, on the other hand. Sorry. Little, little Bob there. Little Bob. Uh, little silent. Uh, little J there. Little rather. J, little yes. Little J there. So I'm All never right. more. And I'm kind of raving. Boy, what's wrong? I'm becoming insufferably tolerant. But, but Vanilla Ice... <laughs> Case in point, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> I, I think he's right. Okay. Uh, no, miss- hey, I'm going to tell you right now, straight up, that entire album, I know front to back. No, I listened really? to I- it, the entire, every single song. Wow. I loved that. I had the tape, and I turned that tape over, I turned that tape over, I turned, I listened to that so much. I love Vanilla Ice. That song, the only reason I ever listened to him and he got famous was because of Under Pressure. You see how transparent we are on the show and how open we are with you. We admit to liking Vanilla Ice and I other mean, such absolutely. things. I mean, uh, the Partridge family. I love the Partridge family. And we love the Carpenters. I mean, oh, we're, we're that absolutely. kind of person. No, no, these are legends. But yeah, that's the kind of show we're doing here. And why you should maybe give a thought to listen to Winging It. Absolutely. Uh, every other Friday in between bouts of Birds of a Feather. Correct. Just, so you never have to miss just us. Just a thought. Yeah. We don't want them to miss us. Right. And you're going to tell me now that i got to do a song. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Which brings us to song number nine by the band Eventide. Great name, isn't it? And the song is called Let Tomorrow 
be like yesterday. That's kind of beautiful, isn't it? It is. Uh, they're from San Diego, California, out here in California with us, with the birds. They call themselves a pop rock band. You know, they had me on this one with the choppy acoustic guitar and the strings on the intro. That is really good. Uh, and a nice spare vocal, uh, real bare bones kind of thing. And then all of a sudden there's a lot of meat. There's guitars and there's drums and there's harmonies and uh, it's uh, in, it's tense and gripping. Reminds me a bit of The Alarm. I love The Alarm. Mm. Great, great band. I can so, see that now right? that you say that. Yep, yes. It really does and I love them. I saw them live once. They're such a great band. All right, so enjoy. Let Tomorrow Be Like Yesterday by Eventide.
And you can find Eventide at Eventide The Band on Facebook. There must be a misprint with my paper here. It says song number eight, Professor B. Soup. You, you mean to tell me I have to do a yet another song? Are you serious? Uh, indeed, yes. Okay. Okay, just checking. Yep. All right. Um, paying the cost to be the boss. Right? <laughs> nobody no, nobody questions your boss status. No. All right. Pensacola from Leeds in the UK. Gotta love our English brethren over there. And this song is called Without Me. And it's got a real awesome new wave police, Joe Jackson, Elvis Costello kind of vibe going. Uh, really slick harmonies. And once you're used to the song as it is, and you love it, and you're totally digging it and accepting it, it suddenly changes and gets really rowdy, and it's awesome. It's a real trip, and it has a fantastic a cappella outro. You're really going to like Pensacola's Without Me. Things will get better right 
Alt-Rock Pensacola at Pensacola UK on Facebook. Okay, so feature number two, I'll Do It Better Than Emu. For this feature, we discuss covers of songs that either rival or are better than the original. And this time, it is We Can Work It Out. Original artist, The Beatles, cover artist, Stevie Wonder. The harmonica, the chorus tweaks, the soul gospel nods, the backing vocals. It's Stevie fucking wonder. And he transforms this song into a better version of itself. While I love the Beatles version, I absolutely adore it. Do not get me wrong. I'm going to steal this from you, David. It becomes a ditty when you place it side by side with Stevie Wonder's version of the same song. To me, I I love a good adaptation, but... This one uh, struck me as being dizzyingly awful. I hate to make Barry's case for him, but this does sound like a once great artist because I don't think there's anything great about this version of it. Uh, nice to hear him play the harp always. He plays so beautifully, but uh, it's, it's, it's totally bastardized. Sometimes you need a ditty, I think, more than you need <laughs> whatever the fuck this is. All right, see this? This is my heart broken. Oh. Because <laughs> I really well. love this, and I was hopeful, but I understand. I get it. It's it's tough. To, it's really tough to do the Beatles better than the Beatles. It really is. But I think this is better than Emu. Well, it isn't that the Beatles can't be bested. I, I was the one, David Bowie, uh, uh, across the universe, definitely better. And, you know, and sometimes there is totally different, but I want them both in my world. And then there's, I'll take the original and let's just never talk about the cover again. Maybe I'm not being fair. That's always, oh, a, that's always a possibility. Nah, you know? I think you're being fair. Uh, you just, you know, you like what you like. But I will say maybe in a few weeks you listen to it again and see if you don't feel a little differently. And if you don't, that's fine. I want to know. But if you do feel a little, you may not feel like it's better, but I would love to hear if you have different thoughts later. All right. And song number seven might sound as if it were recorded by an army of producers and musicians and top shelf stuff and everything. But it's just two fantastic women in Pennsylvania who operate under the name Renora Code. And they are Deborah Wilson and Kareen Prano 
Kareen handles most of the instrumental duties, but they write the songs together, and their voices are so different and complimentary. Kareen's gritty, rock-based voice plays so beautifully off of Deborah's pop country sweetness uh, that they make an incredible sound together, which ranges from country pop crossover, club music, hard rock, uh, and this delicious piece of retro girl pop that has a definite 90s, 80s, 90s synth techno sensibility like Bananarama and the Waitresses. And it's so funny and so sweet because it's based on a conversation she heard with one of her adolescent daughters and it's full of uh, just uh, kid stuff. And it's just a joy. So hooky, so funny, so absolutely delightful. From Renora Code, this is You Were Just Talking It.
Song number six is actually by a person that I know. So he actually submitted, which was so nice to see, my friend Damon Valley. So I've known Damon for about 11 years. And Damon submitted really great alt-rock cinematic pop song called Fall Away. Damon is certainly inspired by generations of rockers. His vocals are raw and emotional with lush harmonies. I love it. The chorus is rousing, anthemic, and would likely result in lighter raising. He pleads to be allowed to fall away, which is both sad and empowered. Here is Damon Valley.
Okay, and you can find Damon Valley on Facebook at The Damon Valley. That's D-A-M-O-N-V-A-L-L-E-Y. Have a listen. Not only is he a great guy, but he creates great music. Now you see, Damon, you really lucked out on that one. If it were me, if, if you'd have landed on me, it'd be like, I like this song and I like milk, too. So glad you correct. got a good <laughs> intro. Uh, I'm sure you deserve it. That is not true. All right. History strikes back. It's kind of a regular thing with us because we like it. Mm-hmm. For this feature, we travel back in time to a particular year to review bands, music, charts, or pop culture, or whatever the hell we feel like, uh, for a randomly selected year. And this time we're talking about 1993. So what was going on in 1993? Well, mm. in the world, those of us see, to some of us, it really doesn't seem like that long ago. To the rest, you'd be like, wow, I was like two, dude. You know? <laughs> but I mean, me, it was like, yeah, I remember it very well like it was yesterday. <laughs> Czechoslovakia ceases to exist. Oh, yeah. As the Czech Republic and Slovakia separate in the so-called Velvet Divorce. I like the sound of that, yeah. That's uh, why. Happily, Prague Rock survived. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, goodness. January, beginning of the year, of course. Presidents get sworn in every four years. Bill Clinton sworn in as 42nd mm-hmm. President of the United States. Now, again, that seems like not long ago for me. But uh, <laughs> who knows about some of you. Seems like a long time ago for me, which is very weird. And there was some pretty... Uh, Pretty uh, dark stuff that happened. Uh, the Waco siege. Remember that? Ooh. Waco, Texas. 51-day standoff at the Branch Davidian Compound. David ended Koresh. Ended with a fire. Yep, David Koresh. A fire killed 76 people, including David Koresh. Mm. More uh, heavy stuff from that time, which I remember quite well. The World Trade Center bombing. First World Trade Center bombing. The van in the uh, tower. Uh, the Great Blizzard of 1993. I don't remember that terribly well. I don't either. Strikes the eastern U.S., and that's where I was, too. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I wasn't there at the time. Bringing record snowfall and other severe weather all the way from Cuba to Quebec. Uh, mm. Killing a reported 184 people. Wow, heavy oh, duty. Gosh. But hopefully the music will cheer us up, or will it just make us more depressed? <laughs> we shall see. Any gamers out there, I'm going to warrant that there are some. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm not down with the uh, whole game thing. But here's a real uh, blast from the past. Doom was released. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. Becoming a landmark title in first-person shooter video games. And uh, who died in 1993? And if you were were around and you remember, it was like, wow. Andre the Giant, Mm. 1993. Frank Zappa. And uh, River Phoenix died at the Viper Room in Hollywood all in 1993. But, so what did we do for entertainment back then? It was big in the movies. Jurassic Park. Yes. wow. It's like, didn't that come out like last week? No, that was was the 15th (laughs) Jurassic Park. This was the original one. The uh, mega franchise started in 1993. And Mrs. Doubtfire. The inexplicably popular film starring, who the hell was it, Robin Williams? Robin Williams. (laughs) Okay. And Sally Field. Oh, well, now it's got something. And Pierce Brosnan. Really? He was in Mrs. Doubtfire? (laughs) Seriously? I gotta watch this thing one of these days. Yeah, it's great. Oh, wow. It's a very sweet film. The Fugitive, Schindler's List. Oh, epic. Um, The Firm, uh, Indecent Proposal. Ooh, remember that? I remember that. Uh, cliffhanger with Mr. Stallone. Sleepless in Seattle. Talk oh. about... Uh, yes, I know. Rom-com or not, but I've never seen it. Sorry. <gasps> I know, I know. 
Never saw Sleepless in Seattle. Never saw When Harry Met Sally. I I wasn't really owning my rom-com self. Wait, I was not well, in touch with my rom-com side at the time. Stop the presses. Yeah. You have not seen When Harry Met Sally? No. That is one of my all-time favorites. No, I am see, going I, to bring it, and you're going to watch it. Oh, if you got it. I, yeah, oh, are you kidding? If, I got it. Bring them if you got them. Yeah. Okay, I'll bring it. Oh. All right. Yeah, sleepless. See what we learn here about each other. I know, like, right? <laughs> never saw sleepless in Seattle. What? You? Yeah. No, I was. Like I said, I was in denial of the whole rom com. I'm glad you've embraced Actually, it. Actually, I never was. Really. Uh, Philadelphia, <laughs> Mr. Hanks again, oh. and uh, the Pelicans briefs. No, the Pelican brief. <laughs> uh, oh, was, no. uh, I, now that one I saw wasn't it Julia, uh, Julia Roberts, Roberts and Denzel Washington or something? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And it was Julia Roberts. Oh, okay. What about the music in 93? What about the music? All right, top albums. Nirvana, In Utero. Yeah, come on. on. All Hope Was Not Lost, so we had that. Well, then there's Pearl Jam versus or whatever the hell it is. Yes, Pearl Jam. Yeah, well, you can't win. Now, I'm not familiar with Blur. But they definitely had the great album title of the year, Modern Life is Rubbish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. All right, what else? Uh, top-selling albums of the year, The Bodyguard Soundtrack. Ah, Breathless by Kenny G. And weren't we just talking about him? We were just talking. Ta- really no one listen. would like him today. They would be like, oh, what is this stuff? <laughs> That's true. But he was super huge then. Uh-huh. Eric Clapton Unplugged, iconic record. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Janet... By Miss Jackson. Oh, uh, my. She's very sophisticated and sexy in that uh, one. Dr. Dre, The Chronic. Oh, hell yes. And, well, I guess it was cute if you're a kid, you know, slacker kid. Spin Doctors, pocket full of kryptonite. Oh, Spin Doctors are <laughs> disgusting. I'm sorry. Pearl no. Jam 10. Oh, come on, man. Pearl Jam 10 is the best album ever. Stone Temple Pilots Core. Oh. Okay. STP cool. was, a, was a big deal then. I like STP then. Oh, man. Oh, man. Real music was kind of a thing of the past by 1993, <gasps> or was it? Let's see. I doubt I'll ever get Christina to join me on Ace of Base. I saw the sign, and it opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Life is demanding without, without understanding. understanding. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Fairy tales can come true. I never dreamed it. It can happen to you. You see, that's a song that fills you with life and verve and it just feels good. And then you've got Tool Sober. Okay. Oh, Same year, yes. Yes. Hard to believe. Same so year. So good. Oh, how about this one? To pluck on the old heartstrings of us in particular. Somebody to love, Queen and George. God, My goodness. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it, right? I'm telling you. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Last dance with Mary Jane. One more chance to kill the pain. Or something of that something sort, like anyway. That. Well, it's closer than I thought we'd get. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Mary Jane's Last Dance. Such uh, a great. And Kim Basinger. Oh, she, she was, was in the in video. That. That's oh, right. Yeah, I'm not a video person, but I did see that one, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, if anybody who's been around has seen that one. Now, here's one I don't know, but it's exciting just because of the title and who it is. Annie Lennox, Love Song for a Vampire. Oh, I do not know that song, but I love her. That's what I'm saying. Annie Le- Lennox with a title like that. that. We got to hear that. What I'm is glad going I'm on? not the only one. And we mentioned Miss Jackson because we're nasty. We are. Didn't we just hear this uh, at the restaurant or something? That's the way love goes. That's, That's the way, way love it goes. Yeah. Did, where did we hear that? Were they we playing it? We were at Prohibition. Prohibition. Were they playing it, though? Yeah, right? they, they did. They played a, you know, a Muzak version of ah, it. Ah, there you go. On an earlier episode, when I talked about concerts to crow about, having seen Meatloaf, that in the future, and it turns out it was this year, 1993, he would win a Grammy for Best Rock Vocal. I'd do anything for love, but I won't, but I won't do, do that. that. 
Mr. Loaf getting uh, getting a Grammy in 1993, and of course, I'm every woman. Uh, I'm every woman. It it's only me. Is that how it goes? Then? Anything you want done, baby. Sorry, I know that song. That now <laughs> it was Whitney Houston's year in a big, big way. Well, that's but for sure. The Chaka version is so good, though. It's oh. Chaka's song. That's there ain't true. nothing like Chaka Khan. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll do ain't it better nothing. than Emu, right? Say, no. No one can do it better than Chaka Moo. <laughs> Whitney Houston, that very same year, was responsible for, I think what everybody would agree, was one that was better than Emu, uh, which was her version of Dolly Parton's, 100%. and you know where I'm going with 100%. this, I Will Always Love You. Absolutely. Dolly wrote a Killer. great song. Dolly, Dolly sings it great, but this is the She definitive. annihilates yeah, it. Yeah, this is definitive for sure. And I will walk 500 miles and I will walk 500 more just to be there. That's right, the proclaimers, yep. And then we had, uh, on the power ballad scene, we had Aerosmith crying. Everybody knows it's Aww, typical private. Yes. But then you've also got Radiohead. Okay. I love Radiohead. And I think the whole human race can unite in its support for Lenny Kravitz's Are You Gonna Go My Way? <laughs> That's right. Who's... And I've got to, got to know... Who's gonna be contrary on that one? I'm not. Okay. No, uh, not I, it. I mean... Uh, and John, I just want to go ahead and say how beautiful Lenny Kravitz is. Uh, then... And now, I can neither confirm nor deny the beauty of uh, Mr. Kravitz. (laughs) And I think it's funny the stories, Lisa Bonet, Lisa Bonet, who is in, by the way, uh, the high fidelity that we keep talking about all the time. Yes. Well, she told Mr. Kravitz, um, you got to cut your hair. And he's like, yeah, you know, you ever used to have these big dreads? I love them. And she's like, you know, yeah, I thought he looked fine with them. He because, he, because he was playing real rock. I didn't care what he looked like. Oh, I did. Yeah, but I mean, I, it was, either way, it was fine. But I mean, he was playing real music. I didn't care what it was. Uh, it was a little more reggae sounding a little bit, some of the early stuff. I mean, come on. The guy doesn't matter what he does. Look at that face. doesn't matter. And, and he plays everything and he sings everything. So, but I, mean, I just thought it was amusing. And he's like, well, you know, I was thinking about it. She's like, no, no, no. You got to cut this shit You got right to now. cut it. But I mean, I didn't think it was necessary, but it's I a funny I loved story. it. Now, yeah. it is a funny story. But when Lisa Bonet tells you to do something, she's gorgeous and amazing. You're like, all right, I might cut my hair for you. And it didn't sound like she was going to give up on it either. She was not. <laughs> she was oh, not no. going to give up. And uh, uh, Mel B once did that solo at a Spice Girls concert. Uh, she sings, uh, yeah, how are you mm. going to go my way? And John Paul Jones himself, and again, from Led Zeppelin, if you look down at your shirt, kids, he's probably on it right now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, played the bass on that song with him once live. So you know you got a kick-ass song if John Paul Jones joins you on it. Come oh, on, yeah. You know. So uh, great props to Lenny, but that was another uh, hit that year. That and uh, Ace of Bass, The Sign, those are two that I never get tired of. <laughs> what is it with you and The Sign? I mean, It's okay. I mean, Ace of Bass, again, is benign. That's fine. Benign? Wow. Yeah, they're fine. And, and you, you, you have a thing for Malignant. Oh, here's one you'll like from that year. <laughs> <laughs> malignant Was is kind nice? of malignant is kind of your jam. It's like, well, if it doesn't go, it's like anguish of the soul. No, it just kind of makes you feel good. I'm so, sorry, I like plenty of pop, my dear. It's kind of hard to tell where this REM hit falls in that range. If you believe they put a man on the moon, there you go, man on the moon. So that's what was going on in music. Do you remember? Do you not? I don't know. But uh, are you intrigued? If you weren't around then, the odds are, how friggin' young would you have to be? To pretty not be? young. You're pretty young. You know? Get away from the radio. <laughs> Step away from your the... Your parents <laughs> know you're listening. If you don't remember 1993, your parents really should be notified that you're listening to the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. So what's next? 
song number five is by David Patacone. The song is called Too Late. He is from Tucson, Arizona. His genre is industrial, cinematic, electronic, rock, and trance. Burbling analog synthesizer abounds in this song. The dark and brooding rhythms are the backbone of this song and set both the tone and give us the glimpse into his musical heroes. The vocal begins at about a 10 level of anger and moves to an 18 by the song's end as he laments that it is too late. Here is David Patacone. Open my eyes. 
And that was David Patacone. And you can find him on Facebook at David Patacone. That's P-A-T-A-C-O-N-I music. So that takes us to feature number four. You took the words right out of my mouth. Did you think I wasn't ready? Of course I'm ready. (laughs) For this feature, we consider bands and determine if we're advocates for them. Hell yes. Or detractors. Oh, hell no. We also ask for your opinions on the artist. And the subject at hand this week was the vocalists of Deep Purple. There weren't that many of them, considering how long they've been around. That's kind of surprising. Most bands would have been through a dozen singers by (laughs) now. But they had a few. They had Rod Evans for three albums, which kind of surprised me. (laughs) Ian Gillen, Forever in a Day, but that was the best-known incarnation, commonly known as Mark II. David Coverdale came along and great live album, three studio albums. Uh, It was a great... Also, though, with Mark III, we had Glenn Hughes on bass and sometimes lead vocals, and that led to some surprising results, which are now in. Rod Evans got uh, zero votes. Uh, Ian Gillen, 96%. David Coverdale, Mark III, zero. Well, who in heaven's name could have gotten the other 4%? Uh, Perhaps Joe Lynn Turner, who only did one album with him, I was surprised to find. Or... Glenn Hughes, and he wasn't ah. even the lead singer per se, although he did do leads on some songs. And uh, Mr. Hughes got 4%, including, um, I remember up front, uh, Bruce Baldwin <laughs> saying that uh, I hate to be a contrarian here, but I'm going to go with Glenn Hughes, which not contrarian because the other possibility was always left open. Yes. And uh, so, apparently, he was not alone. Uh, Glenn Hughes got 4%, Ian Gillen got 96 and that was it. That was the split. I thought it was fascinating to explore the early days of Deep Purple, who released their first album in 1968. And it would appear to me, and I've also read this, that in the beginning, the label was targeting the useless long hairs contributing nothing to society uh, market. Uh, and... <laughs> Deep Purple was aimed at hippies. Therefore, we had a lot of jams and covers, and uh, I really found the content of it fascinating. And three players we know very well from Mark II and beyond. Founding members, Richie Blackmore on guitar, John Lord on keyboards, and the legends on drums, Ian Pace. On bass, they had a fellow with the unfortunate name Nick Simper. (laughs) I'm sorry. He's probably dead, or he'll probably never hear this, but honestly, Simper. I mean, with a name like that, it's like rock stars always change their names. If ever there was a time, I think it's that. Probably a good time. You know, I mean, it's just like you expect, it just sounds too simpering, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, why, was Rod Snivel not available? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't remember if we cut it from the show or not, but we were discussing ACDC's original vocalist, Dave Evans. Mm -hmm. It's like, what is it about the name Evans that means as soon as you leave a band, they're going to suddenly get really huge? I mean, if there are any singers out there named Evans, I would advise you to perhaps get in... Try to slip a uh, profit, future profit-sharing uh, contract by them or something like that because they're probably going to go big as soon as you leave, just like Dave Evans of ACDC and Rod Evans of Deep Purple. Although he's quite good. He doesn't exactly fit the sound later on, but I loved this incarnation. Uh, it's like kind of like Strawberry Alarm Clock, kind of very 60s, and they never really entirely shook the psychedelic sound but here, it was in full bloom. There's a lot of good jamming, and the covers were pretty inventive. They even did the Beatles. And uh, I really enjoyed the early incarnation. I would not pick him as my favorite vocalist, but he it was good while it lasted. I gotta say, it was a totally different sound. And they went to Ian Gillen. I knew him originally growing up as the title character in Jesus Christ Superstar, the original London cast. Fantastic job he did with that. When I hear those songs and I hear Jesus singing, it's Ian Gillen, because that's who, I know, Christina's probably shaking her 
head because of the movie, right? It's Ted Neely. I, I know, I know. It's for the younger for the younger folks. It's going to be Ted Neely, probably. It's Ted Neely. But uh, Ian Gillen was the man to me, and now I can finally share that he's my favorite Deep Purple vocalist. So, uh, who's your favorite Deep Purple vocalist, Christina? Well, I have to go with Glenn Hughes. I think he's got a unique sound. He's got a unique tone. I thought what he brought to Deep Purple was just unmatched. So the contrarian Baldwin household is on board with yes, Glenn Hughes. Correct. And uh, apparently some others too. And yeah, he's great. And it would be nice to hear some more. I've heard a couple things from him this week that he sang solo instead of uh, in conjunction with uh, Coverdale, just solo Glenn Hughes works. And he is amazing. And they, they, were, they were good together. I thought they uh, complimented each other very nicely. The Baldwins are in the Glenn Hughes camp and me and 96% of the uh, audience is in Ian Gillen. Although they're all great. This is a great band from beginning to end. And and I have to say, I've said this many times, that it's great when legends don't take themselves too seriously. I just love that. And here is this iconic British band that's been recording since 1968 and put out some of the definitive albums of, uh, of popular music, putting out a record called Bananas. Now, I mean, come on. I mean, I, you're skating up to the edge of taking it a little too far uh, with not taking yourself seriously, but they actually put out an album called Bananas, and on the cover, there's a bunch of, like, bananas. I'm serious. This is Deep Purple we're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was actually a huge seller in South America, and that is not a bad joke. That's actually the truth. It was a huge... So, even though they, we might not hear them all the time here, they're constantly huge in other parts of the world. All right, so... We got a feature. What comes after a feature? Song number four is by Siren. This song is called Wither, so I don't know of a better goodbye song than Wither. <laughs> Location is Minden, Nebraska, and they are metal. So goodbye songs are typically angry, and this one certainly fits the bill. There are some tasty metal guitar licks, and the vocals portray agony. There's clearly an internal struggle that is obvious in both the lyrics, the music, and the pained male utterances. Here's Wither.
That was Siren with Wither. You can find them on Facebook at S-I-R-E-N Nebraska. Okay, so feature number five, one-hit warbler, so say me. And for this feature, we discuss a one-hit wonder that rocked either our world or the music world. And this particular song rocked both my world and the music world. The song is Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohen. It was released in 1991, and it hit the Billboard Hot 100 at number 13. And it was number 3 in Canada, 7 in Ireland, and 11 in Australia. It was nominated for Song of the Year and Best Male Pop Vocal Performance in 1992. It was covered by both Cher in 1995 and Lone Star in 2003. The piano, the vocal delivery, the images he conjures, and the emotion with which he performs the song never cease to move me. He traveled to Memphis seeking inspiration and took in the sights and people. This song is about his journey and experience. He visited Graceland, and it was recommended he visit the Full Gospel Tabernacle Church, where Reverend Al Green still leads services from time to time, and the Hollywood Cafe, a greasy spoon where Muriel Wilkins, a gospel singer, performed in Robbinsville, Mississippi, which is about 30 miles outside of Memphis. He references Sun Studio, Lansky Brothers, Blue Suede Shoes, Union Avenue, where many have claimed to see Elvis's ghost, and Street, home of the blues, as designated by Congress. This song absolutely destroys me whenever I hear it, and uh, I just think it's beautiful. It's it's got a magic about it. He was starved for inspiration, and he went on a trip to find it, and he found it walking in Memphis. So, David, what did you think of this song? Well, I I don't know why this song just doesn't really blow me away, but it doesn't. It's it's okay. Honestly, one of the things that breaks it for me is the vocal. I don't know what it is about the the, the just that voice that I don't want to hear. So uh, it's okay. I remember listening to it, thinking, yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah, it's a pretty good song, but uh, it doesn't. It's not something I would want to hear necessarily again. I don't know if I'd want to hear it again anytime soon. It's okay, but uh, I like this kind of thing. It's just in this particular one. I'm not so sure. I know you love it. I know a lot of people do. Obviously, it's a classic. But uh, eh, I, I seem to be just a contrarian tonight. Everything mm-hmm. comes up that I just don't happen to like. I swear, it's not. A, it's not a plan. Yeah. That's all right. It's not you. It's me. Anyway, that is my little nod to Mark Cohen and his beautiful song "Walking in Memphis." So, song number three is by Stanley Avenue. And this song is called Driving Home. They are from Las Vegas, Nevada. They are pop, rock, soul. And I really, really love this band. I love the vocals. The vocal breaks, bluesy trills, and sumptuous vibrato are life-affirming. There is something so sweet and heartbreaking about her voice. The staggered and purposeful tempo conveys the melancholy and desperation of this song. Bluesy guitar leads a la Clapton. It all works, and I would gladly allow any of them to drive me home.
That was Driving Home by Stanley Avenue. You can find them on Facebook at Stanley Av LV. That's S T A N L E Y A V E L V. All right, and that brings us to a new feature, and the question always remains. Is he going to put his foot down and not say this new thing, or is I'm he waiting. just? She's she's pushing it as far as she can. I really am. This one, this one almost tore it, but not quite. <laughs> feature this brand new feature. Feature number six is called Dunnock It Teal. Uh, see, I didn't know Dunnock was a bird, but apparently Dunnock yes. is a bird. Dunnock, Dunnock it till you crow. In other words, don't knock it till you know. The idea appears to be that if you know something about what went into the creation of a song, you might it might change or influence your opinion of it, or perhaps you'll give it another listen with a new set of ears and with a new uh, understanding or appreciation. Who knows? You might still think it's shit, but at least you'll have tried. And this would definitely not be the case, and I know... If I had a guess, Christina would have picked this one because she knows this is my favorite song of all time. That's correct. All right. So, and and yet, I didn't know some of the things she unearthed about it because, uh, you know, I, I just listened to it. I'm an ignoramus. I don't know. I only know what I like. But <laughs> the song in question, The Immortal, White Room by Cream. I almost said Queen. No, we're talking about Queen. Cream. <laughs> that it would be Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce, and Ginger Baker, the super group of the late 60s. And uh, the original Power Trio, this is sort of the prototype for all, and they were just brilliant. Now, this song uh, is notable for a number of things that we'll talk about, but the lyric is among the uh, outstanding features. The music was written first, though. In fact, it sounds quite a bit like another Cream song called Tales of Brave Ulysses. Uh, They're similar, the, the overall structure of them, although they're melodically different. 
the lyric, in this case, uh, Pete Brown, poet Pete Brown, uh, the first attempt he made at a lyric for this song was about a doomed hippie girl. Uh, it was called Cinderella's Last Good Night. Sounds like Mary Jane's Last know, Dance, right? you know, right? <laughs> Jack Bruce just wasn't having it. He wasn't really in and pulled up an eight-page poem that he had written, which he reworked into White Room. He lived in a white room while trying to come to terms with things in his life. He gave up drugs and alcohol as a result of being in that room. It was a real uh, watershed moment for him. And the other part of the lyric, which even dullards like me can sort of have, uh, you know, grab a thread or two of what they're talking about. Uh, uh, Platform station, you know, goodbye window. I mean, you don't want to be too much of a rocket scientist. And, of course, you know, waiting in the uh, station, in the queue and all that. But uh, there are just lines in this that grab you and freeze you and stay with you, like where the shadows run from themselves. Uh, That is just... That, it's just a gripping song, and the music is so dramatic the way it starts. And, of course, the icing on the cake, the incredible guitar work of Eric Clapton, weaving throughout mm-hmm. uh, even the verses, and then finally that those explosive wah-wah solos that everybody loves. And uh, he used the wah-wah pedal on this guitar, and it was inspired by Jimi Hendrix, who had been uh, doing it. The solo earned him the number two spot in Guitar World's greatest wah solos of all time. And a couple of covers came up in looking at this song. One of them by Mr. A. Spraley, and it's uh, pretty respectable. I listened to that this week. It's not bad at all. Uh, and the other, um, well, uh, the other It is was, not better than Emu. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's no risk of Greta Van Fleet ending up oh, in I'll Do It Better Than Emu. Now, thank, oh. thank heavens... There is no studio version of the song. There's just a live video. This attempt at a cover is a woe of biblical proportions. I mean, really. In- uh, instrumentally speaking, the band absolutely kicks his ass. Absolutely. I mean, they do. 100%. When that kid starts playing the solos on that SG, I mean, it just smokes. But to get there, uh, first time at least, until you've learned your lesson, you'll have to suffer through the vocal. And honestly... To, to subject someone to this against their will would be a serious violation of the Geneva Conventions. I mean, this is absolutely... I would confess to anything if you made me listen to this twice, you know? I would, I would confess to shooting JFK, okay, if you, oh, if you made me listen to this, this song. This is getting serious. I mean, you know, the kid's voice has always been grating to me. I've never liked it. Uh, but this is a whole new level of abrasive, honestly. Uh, you know, it might have worked if he sang it two, three, maybe four octaves lower. Uh, might, have, might have had a chance there, at least. But, and honestly, I was listening to this thinking, now Christina would weep with joy at this point if Getty Lee came up and grabbed the mic away from him. That's, that's it. I would. That's how bad it is. Yes. I, I, oh. it, is it is that bad. Yes. That's correct. I, I, I'm certain. I know. I thought that it would be, oh, thank heavens. I, thank it's you, you, Getty Lee. I embrace you. Uh. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, not a song that has covered very well for people, but it is just a super classic. And oddly enough, when they got back together, uh, Jack Bruce apparently is enjoying a little bit of good health in 2005, I believe it was. They played a gig at the Royal Albert Hall. And I remember skipping through the TV channel, uh, PBS, and was like, oh, look at these guys. They look like cr- cream. What? That's It's them. It's all three of them. <laughs> yes. And they were there. And they did White Room, and the fans were scandalized. Clapton played this. Most famous guitar solo ever, bar one or two, with no wah, no distortion of any kind, no no effects, just straight. I mean, it was beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But uh, the fans were like, no, how could you do this? It's sacrilege. <laughs> but um, 
any version of White Room is definitely any version of White Room by Cream that is is worth listening to. And it's just uh, there's a reason it's my to- it's my top song, and uh, I don't think they'll ever be shaken. It's just immortal, invincible, so dramatic, so powerful, so everything you could ask for in a song. Uh, it doesn't rip your guts out. I'm sorry, Christina. I hate to disappoint you, but. Uh, <laughs> I know you like that. Uh, give it a chance anyway. You know, I like a little bit of everything, and I love this song. Yes, it's brilliant. I love this song. And yes, you know what, folks? You heard it here. Sometimes I cater to my co-host. Yes, I know he loves this song, and I, I created a brand new feature, and I get to pick. So I picked his number one favorite song so he could enjoy talking about it. I'm known to do shit like that. That's right, and we always appreciate that. Only the problem is, you haven't learned your lesson because you gave me Diamond Dogs, and I took up, what, 40 minutes of the show <laughs> talking about it. But okay, thank you very much. It's very sweet. Well, I try. You know, it's our show, and we can do whatever we want. And so sometimes I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what they uh, they say to do, and throw my co-host a bone. Oh yeah! And there it was. Throw me a bone. Throw me a freaking bone here. Throw me here. a freaking bone here. All right. So that takes us right on up the countdown to song number two. Oh, Bat Farm, how I love you. This is a song called Get Out. I happen to be very good friends with Alex Kalis, who is the lead singer. And we have Dennis Morehouse on drums. This is a dynamic duo that has appeared on our countdown before, though I think it might have been the first show. Way back in the day, they were on our show. So this is their second appearance on our show. And this is a really, really good one. Get out. It had to be on the countdown. They are from Los Angeles. The genre is alt-pop rock. And nobody does it like Bat Farm. This is an upbeat song with a chorus that is catchy and insistent. It has a lot of guitar tone variation from a clearly skilled and experienced player, Alex. The, the rhythm is held together tightly by a drummer with badassery to spare. The backing vocals add a sense of urgency. The lead vocals are smooth, smoky, gravelly upon command. And uh, with a vibrato that won't quit. Soul from a lifetime of trials and tribulations, which all equate to 100% rock goddess. This is Get Out.
Well, number one, the top of the pops here, the top of the playlist. Definitely not pop. The band is Reason to Fine, a hard rock metal band out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and the song is called Reaper. The intro is very prog, not like Czech Republic we were just talking about, but prog, progressive rock and metal. It's like part yes, part Judas Priest. It's doomy, it's progressive, it's harmonic, it's melodic, it's Reaper. Yeah. 
And you can find them on Facebook at Reason Define, just like it sounds, Reason Define. But wait, we just did song number one. The countdown is over. That brings us perilously close to the precipice of the end of another episode. Right about now, you're going to be telling me we have to restate the new both theme for the next show. That's correct. All right, And that's all you. Oh, well, let's get on with then. All right. The next Birds of a Feather theme, Lunacy. Songs about crazy anything, crazy people, crazy places, crazy experiences, crazy behavior, crazy thoughts, crazy nights, crazy days. As long as it's mad, we want it. Send us your MP3 submissions to bofonair at gmail.com. That's bofonair at gmail.com. There's the part that you love and hate. It's bittersweet. It is. Because parting is, of course, such sweet sorrow. And this is the part where I tell you what I need you to do in the coming couple of weeks. And I need you to tell us hell yes or oh hell no to the Eagles. Now, we are going to withhold our opinions, or opinions rather, and thoughts on this subject until the next show and until we reveal what you thought. By the way, you folks have been great in sharing your opinions. Please continue to do so. We thank you for participating. We need you to do your homework, and we thank you for doing it. Yes, we can't do it without you. So, while our opinions certainly matter, so do yours. We look forward to hearing from you about the Eagles. The first episode of Birds of a Feather Winging It aired August 7th. The next will air August 21st. So that's Winging It August 21st and Birds of a Feather August 28th. And you can hear that at FusionMusicRadio.net or Spreaker or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or a number of places. We uh, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio, yeah. yeah. Just just around, you know, around. <laughs> And in addition to us, and now we've got two shows, you can also hear the Butterflies and Hurricanes Indie Insurrection, brand new mixtape every week, uh, every uh, other week by Louis Drayton, and Butterflies and Hurricanes Archives, uh, 140 episodes there, or some fantastical thing, and the Hillerant Radio Show, and In Details, the Tilly Riddle Show, and the Surge Master Sessions, and Ian Moss's Flowing Backwards, and wait, something new in the what? offing as well. Octane's Groove Box, brand new show with Octane and Louis Drayton, and uh, so that's something new to uh, wow. keep anticipating from Fusion Music Radio. In addition to us, and that only leaves for you to say, let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.